0: All right. Welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. I've got a very special guest with me today. I've got Trevor from Wayne's Iron Maiden Podcast. Hi, Trevor. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Hi, Uncle Steve. Thank you for having me. Uh, I must say it's nice to be on a proper Iron Maiden Podcast.
0: What? thanks. I really appreciate the kind words, man. Uh, so, Trevor, first things first. I really enjoy your thoughts on the Iron Maiden songs, and I want to get some of your thoughts here today as well. But before I do that, I'm really curious to know, what is it like working with Wayne?
1: It's a bit frustrating, really. Mm -hmm. I, I like to think I have some good ideas, but he doesn't listen to them. He just keeps saying it's his podcast. Also, he never lets me in the studio. He always rings me up, and I only live two doors down. I don't know why he doesn't let me into the house, so I can sit with him in the studio and talk about it.
0: Hmm, that sounds rough. It sounds like you could use a change. A new place to share your insight and poetry. So, if you'd like, I can work out a weekly spot for you on my show. How does that sound?
1: Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'd really like that. Uh, a new a new place to show off my skills. Um Although, I must ask, because I've always wondered, do you have balloons in Texas?
0: Of course we have balloons in Texas, Trevor. We've got more balloons than you can imagine. Plenty more than you could ever find in Birmingham.
2: No, No!
0: No! Oh, thank goodness it was a dream.
3: Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast. This week, I'm looking at the song Gangland, which is track number 7 on the Number of the Beast album. Last week, the show focused on Run to the Hills, and I've had some feedback about the show. I've had a comment from Kay Bentos, and she's picked up on the fact that I said that the jam were number 1 in the charts with A Town Called Malice, and this was on the week that Run to the Hills was released. And I checked this, and I was correct. But she points out that they were number one with a double A side, which was Town Called Malice and Precious. So there was two songs. And she goes on to say that this replaced another double A side at the top of the charts, which was by Craftwork. This was Computer Love and The Model. And she says this is a very important historical fact, because it's the only time a double A side has replaced another double A side at the top of the charts and that I should have known this because it's in the book British Hit Singles which I've mentioned that I owned. So if anyone else was concerned about this I must hold my hands up but I didn't think it was necessary to go into too much detail about the chart landscape at the time. Some people have picked up on Pamela Cartwright who got in touch saying that she may have been the mystery woman in Trevor's poem about the number of the beast. They're a bit annoyed that I didn't bring this up with him and have said that he was a bit cocky in the episode so I should have done this as punishment well okay I've taken your feedback on board and I'll mention it to him later once again I'm a bit disappointed that the comments that I've received weren't about my insight and analysis on the song Run to the Hills and people have picked up on some other aspects but as I've always said any feedback is good well this week I'm looking at Gangland first of all I should point out for anyone that's not sure But gangland isn't a country. I made this mistake as a boy, assuming it was a place in the world. I couldn't find it on the large world map in the classroom. I used to like this map. It was massive. And I'd stare at it for ages. People used to put pins on the map where they went on holiday. Thomas Spencer went to sunny Spain. It's just called Spain now, but in the 1980s it was sunny Spain. They had to change the name in case it wasn't sunny when you went and then he might sue the country under the Trade Descriptions Act. Several other classmates went abroad, and this was quite exotic. I wanted to put a pin on Landudno, but this wasn't on the map, like Gangland, so I had to just pull it in Wales. I I had a look in my own books with maps in, to see if I could see Gangland there, but it wasn't in my Collins Atlas, and it wasn't in my Ladybird World Cup 86 book either. Just to make sure, I checked in the index in the Atlas, and Gangland wasn't there. There was nothing between Gambia and Ghana. I also noticed that Gangland didn't qualify for the World Cup either. As usual, the answer came in the dictionary. And I saw that Gangland is actually a word that suggests the criminal underworld. I could mention Stetsford Swimming Baths and Castle Bromwich here, but I've been advised not to. The song Gangland starts with drums again. That's three songs on the album so far that begin with just drums. On the last two albums, there's only one song on each of them that does this. With the other songs, The Prisoner and Run to the Hills, they had quite simple drum patterns, or so it seemed. The opening here is actually quite wild, and it perhaps emulates the chaotic nature of being in a gang, or maybe in a car chase, or even a chase on foot. You may remember last week that I emulated the Run to the Hills pattern by saying the drum names in Time to the Beat which might have been one of the highlights of the series so far. I'm not going to do that here. I feel it's a bit too complex. I notice the songwriting credit is Clive Burr and Adrian Smith. I always thought it was the prominence of the drums in the song that meant Clive got the credit for this, but maybe he did some other bits. It was the only Iron Maiden song with a drummer in the songwriting credit until 2003 with the song New Frontier. I'm going to assume that Adrian wrote the lyrics. And the key lyric from the song is dead men tell no tales. This is a sort of catchphrase or motto in gang culture. Now I don't know this from being in a gang, but I read it on Google. It means if you die, then you can't talk or blab about a secret. I did know this phrase already though when I was a boy, because it was a song title by Motorhead and I owned some of their records. I also owned the same pair of novelty glasses that Phil Filthy Animal Taylor, the drummer, was wearing on the back cover of the Bomber album. I got mine from Blackpool. It made me feel quite connected to Phil Filthy Animal Taylor. I wore them to school once, but nobody said that I looked like Phil Filthy Animal Taylor. The song also mentions the term where the jailbirds die. And when I heard this as a boy, I didn't understand that jailbird was a slang term and not an actual bird. I thought that they might be birds that hang about jails, a bit like the ravens at the Tower of London. But again, I find as an adult, my interpretation of the lyrics was quite wrong. The song's about being on the run, and we've heard this theme in other songs I've covered so far. I feel that the lyrics are okay, but they maybe don't capture the urgency of the song or the subject. It's strange that I've picked up on the lyrics here, and I did this in 22 Acacia Avenue, and both of them were written by Adrian Smith. This doesn't mean that I dislike his lyrics because normally I don't have a problem with his use of words or his prowess as a songwriter. I wouldn't like to be rude about him anyway because he might stop coming on the show and reading a chapter from
2: his book. And here's the latest instalment. Hi, this is Adrian Smith. Sorry I've missed a week with reading uh, although I don't think I'll be reading every week. Uh, I had to do a bit of promotion for my new fishing book which hopefully you've all received or, or, or read by now. I notice it's uh, number one in the course fishing category on Amazon, so that's that's good, in the bestsellers. Um, for some reason it's in golf as well, in the golf category. Uh, disappointingly, I'm currently number 1,515 on the overall Amazon chart. I've not been into the shops, Waterstones, um, because of uh, the, the pandemic, of course, but uh, it's been quite good sitting in, and, and I've, I've found it difficult to take my eyes off the bookshelf with my book sitting on it nestled between Shakespeare and the historical fiction writer Wilbur Smith. I keep my books in alphabetical order. I don't have too many, but uh, I think it's important for a sense of uh, order. Anyway, this week I'm uh, back with my children's book. The focus is on that. Uh, So here we go. Chapter 11, The Aftermath. Adrian stood at the side of the pool, holding up the wig that he had caught with his magic fishing rod. So you say this doesn't belong to your mother, he asked Dennis. No, came the response. Things were very strange, thought Adrian. In fact, they were fishy. But he didn't chuckle at this pun, like he normally would have. The images they had seen in the pool had disappeared, and all that was left was calm water. I think we should move on, said Adrian, pointing to where the path continued after this clearing. Dennis nodded. "'confused tears in his eyes. "'They continued along the new path, "'and the snow gradually disappeared "'to reveal more autumnal colours on the trees. "'Look,' said Dennis, pointing to a squirrel. "'It was standing, looking at them, "'next to a small white ball. "'They walked slowly towards the squirrel, "'who hopped away into the wood, "'and stopped again, just ahead, "'next to another white ball. "'Adrian picked the ball up. "'Looks like a marble,' he said, "'and put it in his pocket. "'I think the squirrel wants us to follow it. "'Come on.' "'They followed the squirrel deep into the wood, "'following this trail of white balls. "'After about twenty-five of these balls, "'something told Adrian to put one in his mouth. "'Hm, gobstoppers,' he said. "'Why is there a trail of gobstoppers in the wood?' "'asked Dennis. "'But nobody answered. "'They followed the gobstopper trail for a while longer, "'until it finally stopped at a small hut. The hut was made out of sweets. The boys couldn't believe it. Never in their wildest dreams had they seen such a thing. Jellies, said Adrian. Lollipops, said Dennis, and the boys started to scoff some of the outer walls. Licorice laces, cinder toffee, and lashings of other fine treats. After a while, they both felt sick. I wonder who lives here, asked Dennis. Adrian was annoyed with himself. He was so excited by all the sweets, he didn't think about this. Maybe the owner would be annoyed that they had just eaten a lot of the exterior. As the boys thought, the front door opened. Watcher, came a familiar voice. It was Paul Diano. What are you doing here? asked Adrian. They sat and listened as Paul Diano told a tale of pixies, portals and gobstoppers. He had a reputation for telling grand tales and exaggerating— but Adrian felt he might be telling the truth this time. We found your trail of gobstoppers, he said proudly. Ah, yes, said Paul Diano. That is very important, as I have no idea how to get back to the path without it. Adrian felt sick again. He realized he had saved all the gobstoppers in his pockets to eat later, and now they were deep in the forest with no idea how to get back to the path. Gangland's got quite a catchy chorus,
3: but certainly not good enough to release it as a single. Often people say that this is the weakest track on the album. This is quite a popular opinion, and I'd probably agree with it. And I'm not saying this to be popular. Due to it being a weak link on a classic album, I think this affects people's opinions more. And and some even say it's one of their worst songs. I think there are weaker songs than this in the 1980s golden age. And I mean proper songs on albums not B-sides like Black Bart Blues. Gangland's quite a short song though, so I don't feel it's a burden and you don't have to skip it. It also suffers, I believe, from being between Run to the Hills and Hallowed Be Thy Name, which are two classic Iron Maiden songs. If you imagine this sandwich, it's like having a solitary budget cheese slice between some fancy, expensive artisan bread. That's what Gangland feels like to me. I don't know what constitutes a gang, Can two people be a gang? I don't know this. I see Iron Maiden as a gang. And Paul Diano did originally, as he mentioned this in the Killers episode. On the sleeve on this album, they were a gang of five. And on pictures, at the time, they would often stand in a line, looking menacing. I don't think gangs do this, unless they want to block your path on the pavement. They tend to huddle and look suspicious. I never got mixed up with gangs, And I like to think that this is because of my sensible life choices and streetwise attitude. I've been chased by gangs though, who've laughed at my mullet and thrown stones. But I think most people have had this happen. Nowadays, I feel gangs have got a bad name. But in the 1980s, there was a cartoon called Get Along Gang, which had nice woodland creatures in it, with a positive message. There was also the Red Hand Gang, but I never watched that. I think gangs could be good. They're not necessarily bad things. In the song, one of the better bits is this nice change of pace about three quarters of the way through, and it's about what the person on the run used to have in life when they were three. It's an almost delicate, fleeting moment before the song kicks in again with its harsh reality. It's a bit like a dream I had recently where I went on holiday with Fiona Gregory, but when I woke up, I just found my daily mundane life staring ahead at me. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring now. Let's see what he's got to say about Gangland.
1: Hi, Wayne.
3: Right, Trevor, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm not so bad, thanks. I'm uh, feeling quite good. Um, It's quite warm today, so I'm just wearing a vest.
3: And something on the bottom half, I hope.
1: Well, yeah, I've got shorts on. Not just a vest, but just sort of letting you know how warm it is. Although you would know, wouldn't you?
3: Yeah, it is quite nice. Uh, Strange not in the garden, though. Uh, I thought, you know, wearing a vest indoors, that's a bit unusual. Not really. Fair enough. Okay, anyway, I've given you a ring to talk about Gangland. What do you think about the song?
1: Yeah, it's all right. Looking at the lyrics, I feel that some of the lines aren't that good. They're, they're a bit normal, uh, obvious maybe. Um, but I do quite like the fact that you don't know who it is that the person's running from. You don't really find that out. And I like that sense of the unknown. You assume it's a gang, of course. I feel it's quite symbolic today, where you've got a lot of people running away from things that you don't know. Things that you can't see on the surface, like oppression or abuse, or even their own past.
3: Yeah, I suppose,
1: yeah. I mean, this is someone who's had to leave his children behind in, in a risky situation, and you can sense the desperation there. I, I feel like I can empathise with this.
3: Well, you haven't got any children?
1: Well, yeah, I know, but you don't need to have that to be able to empathise. I mean, you might remember in Sanctuary, when when there's the lyrics... I've never killed a woman before, but I know how it feels. So that sums up empathy to me.
3: OK, well, f- from what you've said, you've got quite a positive spin on it.
1: Yeah, well, it's not as bad as they make out. I mean, it's a bit throwaway compared to the rest of the album. Um, I mean, they've never played it live, have they? I'm sure you've already said that.
3: Uh...
1: It makes you wonder if the-, the band knew it wasn't that good.
3: Yeah, maybe. Oh, um, just just remembered... Uh, do you know anyone called Pamela Cartwright?
1: No. Are you sure? Yeah, I don't know a Pamela Cartwright.
3: Okay, well she knows you, so uh, I'll give you another chance to, to answer.
1: I don't understand the question, Wayne. No, I don't know a Pamela Cartwright.
3: So you've never heard that name before. No. Oh, that's that's very interesting because. I mentioned her on the show last week on a couple of occasions. So you're telling me that you didn't listen to last week's show?
1: Oh, no, I didn't, Wayne, no? I, I don't listen to the shows, I, I listen to some of it. Uh, I listen to my bits, but yeah, I don't uh, I didn't hear a bit about Pamela Cartwright. Why?
3: Well, well, hang on a minute. First of all, this isn't very good. You're supposed to show support to the podcast if you're, you know, you're on it. Uh, I'd I'd appreciate it if you could listen to it. I mean, for one, that'll that boost my stats up by one, one listen. Plus then, of course, you also hear what, what else I've been talking about. So uh, we could comment on this in the album review specials. So if you've not been listening to the episodes, I don't know how I can talk to you about it.
1: All right, sorry, Wayne. Well, I, I will listen to them. I don't get chance all the time. I'm quite busy.
3: Well, I'm sure you could cope. It's only 20, 25 minutes, the episodes.
1: Well, yeah, I will, I will catch up. Not everyone is up to date. I know some other people. Who, who, who might be listening to this, maybe they're a few weeks behind. So it's not just me. All
3: right, well, back on the subject. Pamela Cartwright?
1: No, I don't know who it is.
3: Right, well, this this lady has been in touch saying that she gave you her number at a Birmingham nightclub in the 1990s and she feels that she may have been the subject of your poem a couple of weeks back, The Number of the
2: Beast.
1: Well, anyone could call in and say that they're that person, couldn't they? I, I don't remember the name. When you meet someone in a club, they don't give you their full name. Just just the first name, maybe. And I don't remember a Pamela. And, and anyway, how does she know it was me? There might be loads of Trevors in Birmingham nightclubs in the 1990s. Yeah, maybe. I think this just shows the, the effect of the podcast, Wayne. People are trying to cash in and, and they come out of the woodwork when, when you get famous.
3: I don't think she's trying to cash in. I think she's just pointing out an issue with the poem.
1: All right. Have you mentioned my book on this episode?
3: What what book? The, the poem book? Yeah. Well, no, I haven't, because you haven't done it yet. You've just mentioned it last week. Uh, I haven't mentioned the book.
1: OK. I was thinking I'd, I'd maybe make it limited edition, um, so it's more of a collector's item, like the Soundhouse tapes.
3: The Soundhouse tapes? You, you can't compare your poetry book to the demo of Iron Maiden, a successful heavy metal band. You can't do that.
1: Well, maybe not, but that was just the first thing I thought about that was a limited run. Um, so there are similarities. Hopefully there won't be any bootlegs of my book.
3: I doubt anyone would want to make a bootleg. Um, but anyway, we'll wait and see. I am not. I haven't mentioned it, but clearly you have now. So, uh, But we'll mention it properly maybe when, when there's something substantial to talk about. Because last week you were talking about designing the cover with
2: crayons.
1: Well, yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll let you know then. Do you want my poem this week? Yes, please. OK. The Goths are at the park again, so I can't go on the slide. They look at me with scary eyes, so I run away and hide. Pressure, fear, frustration. Oh, Mother, why am I torn with such inner turmoil? Sat in a corner, crying in a cagoule.
3: OK, so you've taken gangland and, and you mentioned a gang of Goths. At the park?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I don't like them.
3: You've mentioned goths before. Uh, didn't one chase you out of a shop?
1: Yeah, that's right, when, when I had my ear pierced. I'd rather not talk about it, to be honest, Wayne.
3: Why? I don't understand. Have you got some sort of phobia of goths?
1: Yeah, I have. I mean, we've all got fears, haven't we? Um, and goths are mine. You know, could it'd be nice to have something normal, like spiders or clowns. But no, I, I, if I see a goth, I have to cross the road.
3: OK, so this bit at the end about crying and, and I guess that's just your feelings?
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, the poem cleverly goes from a, a sort of standard rhythm and then with my inner turmoil that I refer to, that, that goes out of the window and there's all that pressure and, and thoughts coming at me fast and that panic. So I try and emphasise that in the structure.
3: OK, yeah, good. Um sorry to mention the Goths.
1: I feel quite sorry for gangs today.
3: Why is that then?
1: Well, at the moment, they've they've got a social distance, haven't they? So they can't really sort of hang about in the street. They have to sort of talk at distance and that that won't scare people.
3: Well, maybe not, but uh, I suppose it's better, makes the street safer, doesn't
2: it?
1: Well, yeah, but, you know, you like, like we've talked about, the, the issues that Prowler's faced during this time of lockdown. Yeah, people can't go about their daily routines, can they? And that affects mental health. I think it's important to mention this.
3: Well, yeah, I think it's important to mention mental health, but uh, I think maybe mention it from the point of view of people that aren't prowlers or gang members, um, so that people can be a bit more um, sympathetic with it.
1: Yeah, maybe. All right, thanks, Wayne. Bye.
3: Okay, uh, that's only seemed to go quite quickly at the end there. Maybe, maybe the, the mention of goths affected him. Uh, but, yeah, next week we're looking at Hallowed Be Thy Name, um, so uh, hopefully everyone's looking forward to that. You can follow me at Wayne Maiden, I'm on Twitter, uh, I'm also on Facebook, I've got a Ko-Fi page, so if you look at Ko-Fi, it's forward slash wimp, and uh, I occasionally post some extra blogs and other content there. I've had a tweet from Daphne Blake, and she says, Where is Paul Diano these days? Has he fixed his time machine? He hasn't appeared on the show since his special, um, Oh, about over a month ago now. Uh, yeah, he hasn't turned up, maybe feels that uh, he's finished, as in, I've moved on from the Killers album. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe he's not turning up in, in my presence anymore, which is a bit disappointing. And I can reveal that he did leave an envelope for me, um, So, and he, but he said not to open it before a certain show. So I'm not going to mention that, uh, what show it is. But uh, yeah, so there will be some input from him, even if I don't get to meet him again. Because once again, the pandemic has brought on extra restrictions uh, in Birmingham as well. So this is disappointing. I've had quite a long message now from someone called Fred. And he says that Gangland is the worst song that you've covered so far on the podcast. So why should I listen to the show? I've got a feeling I probably should have answered this before the show went out so that he'd he'd have the chance to to hear my response. But I'm actually going to trick him because he's going to have to have listened to this point for me to answer that question. So actually, you've listened to the show, Fred, in order for you to be listening to this. So I've won here. I think so anyway. He also asks, if Gangland is the worst song that you've covered so far, then what is the second worst? Well, I don't think I agree with this concept anyway. I don't think Gangland is the worst song that I've I've covered. Um, I mean, looking at the songs to date for Iron Maiden, I mean... Maybe more, one of my weaker songs on the first album was Charlotte the Harlot. And then maybe, well, I'm not sure about other songs, maybe Invaders isn't as good as some of the others. But looking at the whole episodes to date, I think the worst song is Women in Uniform. So that's quite an easy answer and, and lets me off the hook in being controversial. So, yeah, I don't think that's the second worst necessarily. That actually just might be the worst. So I don't know if I've answered your question there, Fred. But judging on the first part of it, you might not be listening anyway. Last week, I read some reviews out from Apple. I looked at one in America and one in the UK. But I mentioned that I had one in France. So I'm going to mention that this week. Reviews on Apple have a main heading and then a separate body of text. And this person has got quite a long name. And I think it's a French word or or a few French words mixed together. And it looks like it's pronounced Guillaume. The uh, headline says, can't stop laughing, which I think is confusing. I think maybe they've just seen that it's listed as comedy and and have assumed it should be funny. Um, And this person, don't know if it's male or female, says, one of my favourite podcasts ever. This is so funny and absurd. So, again, I've I've bemoaned the comedy element, um, but I think when he says it's so funny and absurd, maybe... It's come up, because maybe if he's French, this person, maybe the word funny has been translated from a different word. Because, of course, funny can mean strange, which which would then tie in with the word absurd. So maybe he doesn't, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's laughing at, at the absurdity of it. And, again, I can't quite work out what's absurd. Maybe, maybe it's some of Trevor's poetry. Um, now, nearly every review is positive. However. I think it's important to look at those that perhaps aren't positive. And there's one in America. This person gave the show one star. This person's name is Peacemaker77. and In their headline, it says, Dude, change the name. And then in the, in the body of text, this person says it again. Change the name. Wimp and Iron Maiden should never be related. So this person has given the podcast a negative review because they don't like the name. It may be that they've not even listened to the show. I don't know. This is hard to judge from that review. This is a bit like those reviews on Amazon, where someone reviews the Godfather trilogy as one star, because it arrives damaged, so they're giving it one star. This doesn't reflect on the film. It reflects on the postman. As I said, I like to sort of react to negative feedback, but there's not a lot I can do here, except to change the name, like this person requests. but. The show is my podcast, and my name is Wayne, and the podcast about Iron Maiden. So I think I think the name's all right. Um, I also question the use of the word "dude." Um, I, I don't understand this unless it's one of the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. But the name of the reviewer doesn't reflect this. So there's a couple of reviews. Uh, again, thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for any feedback i get it's all gratefully received um generally i think people are happy uh, otherwise i wouldn't still be doing it i'd I'd have given up because no one's listening to it but people are listening to it and not just my mum. so next week as i said hallowed be thy name the final song on the album Uh, i'll then be looking at total eclipse which is another song from that period Uh, and then i'll be doing the album review show so that's september sorted so once again thank you for listening and i'll see you next week bye bye